Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Intertopia. I am your host, Michael, and today I am joined by a very first returning guest, <laughs> sweetheart, <laughs> and my wifey, Miss Mariah. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Uh, thanks for coming back. It was hard. To, it was hard to book you. <laughs> <laughs> your schedule was full, so <laughs> I'm so busy during this quarantine. <laughs> thanks for um, sneaking me in there. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, so we're continuing our Tame Impala discography. As I mentioned in the first episode about Tame Impala, when, where we covered Interspeaker, we're just really big Tame Impala fans. and Massive. Oh, totally. And we were the biggest Tame Impala fans that we know. So <laughs> I wish we knew others, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And we know people who like them or are into them, but yeah, yeah. We're like next level. <laughs> I have not one, but two Tame Impala tattoos. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's very true. I can see myself doing that, potentially. <laughs> yeah, only do it if it feels right, man. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, maybe I'll just let it happen. Oh! <laughs> one day. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> okay, yeah, like I was saying, uh, today we are here to talk about the second album, the follow-up, the sophomore album, Lonerism. And as I mentioned in the first podcast that we did on... Tame Impala. This was my first exposure to Tame Impala. When the album came out, I remember you told me that you want to go get it. And we were just in the area and then we went to like the the nearest Barnes and Noble and we picked it up and yeah, that that was a game changer for me. (laughs) Yes, that's when we, we really started getting into them together. For me, it was instantaneous when the first track hit Be Above It. And then just every track after that, I was just, it blew my mind. And it was like, so up my alley, just with like the synths. Like, I just love the whole vibe and obviously the music. Yes. Um, I loved everything about it. I was like, this is my jam. Did you have that reaction when you heard the album in its entirety for the first time? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember thinking how unique it was. And then also I realized I was never really into psychedelic music ever Mm. at all Mm -hmm. but tame impala really got me into psychedelic music that that psychedelic wave and he is actually considered neo-psychedelic but still one in the same like even after inner speaker i'm like okay that's like heavier rock and stuff but he really i've always been into synth driven artists like synths are what really speaks to your soul Oh my God, yes. Okay. Because <laughs> that's how Sin- it feels to me too. <laughs> Since are what really speak to my soul. I mean, I have always thought like if I were to be an instrument, I would be a synthesizer. Uh-huh. I love synth <laughs> so much. So any band that utilizes a synthesizer, I, I'm really interested in taking a listen. And if they use it well, if they incorporate it into their, their songs well, uh, I'm a fan for life. <laughs> yeah, that's like hook, line, and sinker for me too. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love synthesizers more than anything else. I love you for that. <laughs> that's, so, that's so awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we both have like an affinity for synthesizers. We just... We love them so much. I love to hear a synthesizer. I own two myself, and I just love playing with it, love hearing it. It's just like the coolest instrument ever. <laughs> yes, and it it offers so much variety. I mean, you can do whatever your what's in your imagination. Yeah, absolutely. Just- the- 
the sky isn't even the limit. Like the universe mm-hmm. is the limit. Like whatever you can dream or conjure up, yeah. like a synth can offer. Like your creativity is your limit. Yes. Oh, well said. But yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm so glad that I, I'm very happy with the amount of synthesizer on this album. Um, I, I know when we talked about Inner Speaker, very, very sparsely used um, a synthesizer on that album. Uh, just here and there, like a little bit, we, we would get a little we'd get a little glimpse. Um, yeah, well, like I said in the, the previous episode I was on, he was really uh, rooted in his influences. Mm-hmm. Like he was he really stuck to what he know and he didn't venture out or branch out at all. Yeah, yeah. He really uh, stuck to his bubble. He stuck inside there. Yeah, I, totally did. Yes. But then Lonerism, he offered us uh, a, just a much more wide variety of sound. He offered us what was really in his mind and what he had to offer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, in, in doing my research, I came across something where he said that this album is what he wanted. It's what he wanted to record when he was doing Inner Speaker. But because he was just staying in his, you know, playing it safe, we didn't get that. But I thought that was so fascinating. I'm like, man, like I knew this was always in him. Yes. Yeah. I really felt that with this album. Yeah. Like he was letting loose. And I mean, by he lets loose even further when we get to Currents, which we're definitely going to have a podcast on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, when I was listening to the album earlier, I was just like reminded of how much of a departure it was from Inner Speaker. A lot less guitar-driven songs, a lot more synth, a a lot more pop. Oh, yes. His uh, penchant for pop really uh, flows through this entire album. He really uh, lets loose just how much he admires, um, adores, and respects pop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's frequently, he has many quotes about uh, pop music and his love for pop music and how, oh, he said he wrote... He has seven songs ready for Kylie Minogue. I read that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. I really, he probably does. In his back pocket, just in case. And then I laughed even more. I'm like, ah, Kylie Minogue, like another uh, Aussie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know, huh? That's probably like their uh, Madonna or something over there. So the recording of this album, Kevin would nearly perform all the tracks. All of them, but two. So actually, so Jay Watson, who we mentioned in the first um, episode, I'm an inner speaker when we're talking about inner speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay, he he contributed quite a bit to that album. And on this one, he actually gets a co-writing credit with Kevin Parker for two songs, Apocalypse Dreams and Elephant. It actually says written by Kevin Parker and Jay Watson. And it's the only two tracks of Tame Impala's official releases to have a co-writer credit. Um, I thought that was... Uh, very very interesting so jay yeah he two plays of the biggest hits off of that album uh yeah are you for sure with elephant so jay plays the keys in those songs uh keyboard like all the keyboards his contribution on this album is much more significant i i would say yeah i was gonna say significant um so like so let's talk about the cover of this album so this image is actually taken from kevin parker himself and but you know however the photographer of the first album, Lee Podhowski, he he edited this photo that Kevin took. So is so this cover art is like a collaboration, and the image ties to the themes of isolation of lonerism, uh, with the gate separating the viewer from the people on the street. Oh yeah, it's very uh, literal and um, at face value, uh, with it's right there in the title 
and with the cover art exactly what you're going to get when you listen to this album like the themes are established right there yeah uh, introversion and social isolation yeah yeah definitely and you know i i didn't get that at, upon first viewing and that's the beauty of like great artwork is like it you know it doesn't hit you all at once sometimes it does but like uh, especially when you examine the lyrics of this album and yeah it, it's so much more apparent i came across the interview where kevin was talking about that and he thought that the image he what he loved about it is how some people he said that how some people would see it and be like well what's the big deal it's just some people behind the fence and other people got it oh yeah definitely just like your perspective it influences your subjective opinion on art like yeah. where you're coming from like me as an introvert i'm like oh i like this voyeuristic take <laughs> from yeah. behind the gate this peeping tom type thing looking at <laughs> yeah. other people like it's kind of you get a sense of the photographer is unseen and yeah. unaware mm-hmm. and yeah and he's just like hiding behind this gate and like no one seems to notice him but yeah that's that's really interesting i i didn't really ever think of it as voyeuristic but it totally is it absolutely is. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you caught on to that right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the making of this album. So Kevin, he started, so he was recording this album immediately after Inner Speaker was released. While they were touring, he was recording on the road and he was recording all around the world uh, for this album. And Which is he, so cool. Yeah. Like, I, I was reading like little bits of an interview where he was saying like, yeah, I would do vocals in Paris and then do guitars the next day in Australia or America or somewhere like he or was Vienna. Just, yeah, just all over. So, so the a, so a bulk of the album was created and recorded on the road. He did have a studio set up in his home in Perth, and he said that this was a really amazing time for him, uh, being able just like experimenting and exploring his sound. He's he's quoted as saying he would record till five a.m., sleep, wake up, and start again. And he would drink red wine and smoke spliffs all night, <laughs> uh, just making this album. Uh, the incredible life of a musician. <laughs> I love Kevin for that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it really comes through in the album. Well, as we get into it, uh, I, a lot of these songs have a really laid back feel. Like I, th- I feel like the overall vibe of this album I get is very laid back. Yeah, I think it has that laid back vibe because he wasn't on a a time crunch because he took the initiative to start writing and start recording this album right away. Like while on tour for Inner Speaker, he had time to uh, explore and experiment. And also with the success of Inner Speaker came more access to resources. So he had more resources to better equipment. More oh, equipment. Absolutely. And that really had his creative juices flowing. I could imagine as a musician myself, if I had access to vintage equipment, which is, uh, you know, that it gives the music that you're playing a different feel, just like fundamental, just from the instrument that you're playing. Um, and that's everything he recorded this album with is all vintage equipment. And that really, really shows. So during this recording process, he also found a new guitar sound, which he said led to him finding new ways of writing chords. So we'd get this newer Tame Apollo guitar sound. As we talked about with Inner Speaker, it's a very guitar-driven album. 
And this one, there is still quite a bit of guitar, but it is with this newer sound that Kevin was talking about that he found. Um, we hear it in songs like Mind Mischief and uh, throughout the whole album, really. And uh, you know what I'm talking about there, oh, right? Oh, yeah. He's definitely developing and establishing his uh, core style. Yes. Yeah. And I just love how the guitar is it's so vastly different from inner speaker because you know that where that's just more classic rock sounding fuzz uh, and there's that on here too but it's just incorporated with so many other pedals and cool sounds and yeah i'm really glad that kevin was able to he had that freedom to just discover and he really did come up with a signature sound that's the signature tame apollo sound that we would come to know to this day that's just how they're that's how you know you're listening to a tame apollo song most of the time you listen to the guitar for me, I can tell by the drums because the way he records it, but we'll definitely right. get into that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he said that he really surrendered to his love of pop songs um, when it came to making the music for this album. And, you know, we touched on that a little bit. But, yeah, he's said countless times, as you mentioned in interviews, that he loves pop music and he's always wanted to make pop music. And he actually describes this album as being, on one hand, weird and fucked up and on the other, very pop. And he would later reveal that he actually removed some more indulgent pop moments from the album so it was even popular if you could imagine oh i can imagine because <laughs> of what came after lonerism <laughs> yeah yeah right i know i wonder if any of those were like tracks that would go on currents ideas I, for currents yeah and a quote from kevin referring to him giving into the pop his quote is, for whatever reason, I started to become obsessed with pop melodies and chord structures. I fell in love with the disposableness of it. And I think that's a really important quote because I think this applies to a track possibly or two on this album that we'll get into. And I really like that, though, um, the disp the disposableness of pop music, because isn't that so true, though? Like, you don't really get deep philosophical or existential songs uh, pop no. songs traditionally not at least and expanding on that quote further he said that pop music is in a way more pure than all other types of music there's no intellectual level it's just pure feeling well 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 kevin and i are so similar uh, <laughs> and kevin would also reveal that the album title and themes of isolation and introspection were selected when and this is his quote we were touring so much and doing all these gigs and going to places with people it reminded me of being a kid trying to socialize and being a people person and realizing i'm not these last years of touring and me being a people person is just not something that's in my blood all these cool parties make me realize that I'm just a total outcast. And I think that really sets the stage for this album. Oh, absolutely. Because that's the main difference between Inner Speaker and Lonerism. Whereas in Inner Speaker, he was reflecting on his state of being, which is an introvert, and his happiness with being introverted. Now with Lonerism, we get the idea of an introvert who's also experiencing alienation on a social level and mm. the inability co to connect with other people um, because he's so introverted and in his own mind and it's very difficult for him to relate to other people. And then also introverts tend not to like small talk. They don't do very well with small talk at all. They prefer to talk about... Uh, larger ideas about life so that's why it just takes so long to get to know them and it takes so long for them to feel comfortable around people because how do you start talking about 
big topics and subjects like that if you don't really know but yeah. then we just we <laughs> introverts <laughs> just we just don't care about the superficial we don't you know want to waste our time on i respect that superfluous needless conversation nonsense yeah we want to get to the the heart of the matter about life <laughs> what it means to be human <laughs> yeah so that's what I like about lonerism is just it's not just the same, oh, I'm an introvert. No, now it's dealing with, okay, I've been around people and I've tried to make friends and it's not working. And right, right. him expressing that. Yeah. And this is his expression of uh, social isolation and alienation. And it's he's did such a beautiful job with it. I saw a quote. He said that the lyrics are written from a different persona rather than himself. The quote is, it's about the persona of someone who's really isolated. So Kevin is not writing this from his own point of view. I thought that was interesting. I, I could have sworn I've heard him talk about how personal this album was for him. No, well, Kevin himself has said that this album uh, describes his feelings of intense alienation. So it does describe what he was feeling and was experiencing but i don't feel like it was written from another person's perspective yeah i still feel like this is all him like nice try kev but you yeah. are already a self-professed introvert yeah he does have inconsistencies sometimes with his meanings to things you know and you know, hey, he's. this is also coming from the same man who wrote, yes, I'm changing. So, you know, him changing his mind or his viewpoint on his song, I guess, shouldn't be too surprising. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But no, I, I definitely think this album is from his perspective. Yes. Yeah, no, me too. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying that. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this album. Let's get into the first track. So the album opens up with the track Be Above It. And man, right from the get-go, it lets you know that this is not the same Tame Apollo from Inner Speaker. Starting off with that drum loop and vocal loop of I gotta be above it. Gotta be above it. Gotta be above it. Um, and then it, it's accompanied by this fat synth line and... Boy, I think at this point you're either on board for this new Tame Apollo sound or you're not. And Definitely. Yeah, and for me, I was, you know, like I said, this was my first exposure to it. I was on board. I was like, ooh, I like this. And yeah, there is significantly more synth. I'm with you. I love how much synth there is. You know, again, like with Inner Speaker, this opening track is the perfect opener for the album. It perfectly sets the tone and lets us know what we're in for. I don't think it's a good opener, but... Really? That's that's so interesting. Yeah, it's weird how it took me years to be okay with Be Above It. It wasn't uh, automatically my favorite, which is shocking, I know. Wow, this is news to me, people. Jeez. <laughs> no, I swore we've had <laughs> conversations about this. But yeah, it, it took me quite a while to get around to this as a, an opener, but... Ultimately, I came around and I loved it. I love it. I love how it shows his, how, how he has improved. He has thoroughly improved with his uh, production style mm. and his composition. And I just love how we are immediately met with significantly more synthesizers. Like, yes. I second what you just said. <laughs> yeah, the, the structure of this song is just so unique and... 
abnormal. Reflecting on like the first time listening to it, I just loved how I thought it was weird, but like very, it, it was it was a very, like a listenable kind of weird that I really liked, and it was interesting. I think that's probably what hooked me the most. I knew that it was I was listening to something original and from the mind of one person, and like yeah, that kind of I was like, wow, this is really good did you not like that it was the opener or did you or just the track itself you had to come around to i didn't like that it was the opener but you liked the song yes okay gotcha okay yes, okay i always okay. liked the song Whew, okay <laughs> i was like what's going on i thought i knew you <laughs> uh, no that's good um yeah and then so lyrically this is one of my favorites um from kevin uh, lyrically speaking um I, I i think everybody can relate to being above it in one way or another. I think it's a positive, uplifting mantra. For me, I think it's about being able to shut out of the world and find your inner peace and not letting negativity or naysayers bring you down. Um, you know, and for I also think at this point, it's the most open and vulnerable we've heard Kevin in a song so far as Tame Impala. Yes. Yeah. With this first track, he's already showing that he's willing to be more open with us and allowing us to see his true mindset. And because that was one of my main criticisms of Inner Speaker yes. was that we have no idea. We spent an entire album with this man and we have no idea who he is. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> and what he's going through. Yeah. And now, and then also given the context of him writing this album while out on the road because he was touring for Inner Speaker and he's found this, he's experiencing this newfound fame. Also, he's met with a lot more uh, negativity and naysayers and it's up to him to tell himself and constantly remind himself of of who he is and he's letting us into this struggle and what he would tell himself uh that yes. while he's going through this um a little side note i every time we saw them live and they played this it for me was a highlight um they were always had a, like a little extended psychedelic synthy jam yeah the live version he played this in the last show we saw him he did in march yeah that's yeah that was that, that was an incredible show and i distinctly remember that uh song because they brought down that extremely large circle circle of light yeah and circle of sound like a halo type thing yes it was incredible yeah this the production value was significantly increased you know i think that was just due from tame tame and paul's success over the, the past five years it's well deserved well much earned. well deserved absolutely and when we saw them play this in march um i believe it was rearranged too i don't think they played it like it was slightly different they did that with a few songs that night too especially oh, with yeah, the older songs they altered yes with the much older songs yeah they altered it where us like super fans we were like oh that's different yeah yeah i'm like that's they new. altered the structure of yeah. the song and that was yeah i, I always was amazing all on its own because it feels like he's giving us a, a unique experience just a personal unique experience yeah. like i don't care if you've never like you've played this before to all your other shows like this feels special to us <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> um i just love every time they play it. it's it, it's such a treat life and um uh 
on the inner speaker episode i referenced the live album live versions and this track is on there and it is a must listen it's 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 one of the best versions you'll hear for sure okay so moving on we have the second track which is andor toi and that is french for go to sleep i love love the build up to this song i love how it builds up with this opening swirly guitar intro and then we subtly hear an arpeggiated synth creeping in and it gets louder and louder and then the drums come smashing in and man let me tell you this is some of kevin's finest drumming absolutely shredding just with so much attack and groove uh, musically it's such an interesting structure and composition i love it it's pure kevin parker the baseline too at around the two minute mark he's doing some very unconventional bass playing like as a bassist i really really ap- appreciate kevin parker's bass lines because he doesn't he puts a lot of thought and creativity into it and he's very evocative of paul mccartney i think the unconventional bass line is so perfect for this song being as unconventional as it is well, what do you think about this song, Mariah? Uh, my number one comment about this song is gorgeous drums. Ah, yes. <laughs> gorgeous in every sense of the word. Just luscious. It's some of Kevin Parker's best recorded drumming you'll hear. It's unlike any drumming that you heard on Interspeaker. Interspeaker was a little bit more straightforward, um, like psych rock drumming and just like rock drumming that you would expect. Yeah, what he's doing in here is just again, it's, it's super creative, and yeah, I'm with you. That's that, that's my favorite part of the song too, is the drums. Yeah, and the deeper we get into this album, uh, we are hearing how Kevin has he has a mastery of of sound, and he is able to manipulate sound in a way that makes you alter your perception just like any good uh, psychedelic songs do. Like he's really, really providing us uh, what it's like to have our mind altered by an external substance. And in this case, it's music. Oh, nice. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I just love how he's able to do that throughout this entire album. It is a truly psychedelic album and a psychedelic experience. Yeah, and and it, it, this song is really really picks up. Yeah, be above it is the drums are mostly on a loop, and it it has a certain vibe to it. But this one, you know, we get the guitar in it, so I think if people were missing that guitar from Inner Speaker, it's like, well, it's still here, and it's not as heavy as it was on Inner Speaker, but it's very unique. So, and lyrically, I think the lyrics are, you know, it, it's short but sweet, and they're very surreal. Um, I think the song is definitely on the surreal side. It's definitely a music song, I'd say. I, 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 li- I like the song for the music more than lyrics. It la- yes. It lacks a chorus also. It's one verse. Yeah. And again, it's perfect for the song. This song is not too long. It's about three minutes long. Um, yeah, again, short but sweet. Yeah. And I like how he has a song with a French uh, title, Andor Toi. He was very influenced by French culture as you know, evidenced by the cover art. And he also had a French girlfriend at the time. So I I just, I see and I feel this French culture just seeping throughout this album. And his girlfriend actually at the time is in a track on this album. Yes, she has a speaking part. And I love Kevin for doing that. Uh, I love that little French aesthetic just kind of creeping throughout the album. Oh, definitely. Like that's, 
something I, I relate to a lot. I am uh, I myself am a fan of French culture, uh, French history. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you Michael, love, she loves France, people. <laughs> uh, French, French history, the monarchy. Hierarchy. Oh, all that, uh, yeah. All of it. She, I, <laughs> she, how many times have you seen Marie Antoinette? Oh, I own that movie. I know. <laughs> first of all, uh, how many books? Not going to get into that. Uh, most people want to visit Paris first. I want to visit Versailles first. <laughs> That's the number one place I'm going once we can travel <laughs> again. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the third track we have is Apocalypse Dreams. And man, where to begin with this song? Absolutely one of Tame Impala's best songs hands down and when i say tame impala i'm referring to kevin parker so throughout this podcast and you know future podcasts if i say if if i don't specifically say kevin i say tame impala i'm talking about kevin yes it's one and the same but also when we refer to tame impala especially with uh, apocalypse apocalypse dreams that does include any co-writers or jay in this case jay yes Whoever is also helping out with the song. As a bass player, for me, in my humble opinion, this is Kevin Parker's best recorded bass line, period. Guys, listen to the song and just listen to the bass only and you will know exactly what I mean. I really love, recognize, and appreciate what he's doing on bass here. It is a very melodic and somewhat complex bass line. And it's unlike any bassline I've ever heard. It's most melodic at the chorus when he's saying, nothing ever changes at that part. It's just this, uh, again, very, very melodic, um, very evocative of Paul McCartney in the uh, Sgt. Pepper era, especially with his melodic bass playing at that time. And Kevin, he also recorded the bass lines on this album with a Hofner violin bass that Paul most famously plays with. So there's that too. And a little side note, I <laughs> I remember seeing an interview years ago with Kevin and Jay around the time this album came out and the interviewer was asking about this song and Jay was like, yeah, I play keys on that song and I think I did the bass too. And Kevin immediately <laughs> he like chimes in. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I did the bass on that one. And like freaking Jay trying to like snag that credit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. You showed me that interview. I'm like freaking Jay. <laughs> like a bass line that good. Like, you know, you remember, you remember if you made that bass line. But yeah, speaking of Jay, I love his contribution on this album with his keys. Uh, he hits it out of the park. Uh, the keys really give the song its atmosphere and it gives it its real distinct sound for this song and at at the three minute mark there is a synth solo flames just fire jay does such a great job with that dude it's sonic perfection i would say it's i also consider apocalypse dreams one of tame apollo's best songs hands down yeah period absolutely what i love about this song personally is the the unsteady guitar effects that we hear uh, coupled with the synth they serve to bend the environment around us like you feel that altered perception yet again and i really think this song successfully replicates through sound the disassociative experience of being on hallucinogenic drugs that is the genius of kevin parker and i don't use that word lightly 
but that is his pure genius on this album. He just uh, successfully replicates an altered state through sound, and that is not an easy feat, but his incredible use of effects, it's just, it really serves to transport us to a different dimension. Ah, beautifully, beautifully said. So lyrically, I think for me, the way that I, what I get out of his lyrics is that I think it's about realizing and accepting reality for what it is, like accepting your situation, whatever it may be with lyrics, like nothing ever changes, no matter how long you do your hair, like things are what they are. And there's a lot of things that you can't control. And I think it's a very introspective song and existential to a degree. Um, I also feel like the lyrics are just as grand and thought-provoking as the music itself. Yes, this song really showcases his evolution as a songwriter. And I like that you caught on to those existential lyrics. Especially where the, uh, will I ever get there? Does it even matter? Do I really need it? Important questions to ask yourself frequently. And also he's letting us know the kinds of questions he, he asks himself. Again, overall, a really, really, really great Tame Impala song. Um, one of their best, absolutely. Again, Kevin's just doing some fine, fine work in here. Fine bass playing. Again, I can't stress that enough. His best recorded bass line. Check it out, guys. Okay, so let's move on to the next track. The next track we have is Mind Mischief. And what do you think about this track, Mariah? I love how incredibly trippy it is. And it it sounds so trippy because he's using these uh, panning effects that you can hear, when, especially when you're listening to it through headphones, mm. which I was doing a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. But I love that these panning effects, like you, you can hear the sounds go from speaker to speaker. And I just, I love it when artists utilize that effect. Uh, it's really fun for me as the listener. Like, ooh, not everything is, is the same. Mm. It cre- creates that like warped sound. And it's, a, it's attempting to warp my perception. Mm-hmm. And w- <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> yes. And then the everything from the, the fuzzy guitar tones and the heat and the huge swells of synth that. Uh, oh, yeah. So good. Yeah, they're really used to it's heighten. It's so synthy. Yes, <laughs> the the those swells of synth are used to heighten the crescendos, and it's just so it's it's larger than life. I feel like this song. I really feel like uh, Kevin. He successfully builds like a, a landscape of psychedelic synths and guitar. And this landscape is uh, full of undulating hills, like it takes you on waves. It's just a, it's just a great song, and and I know how much you love it. You... Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a great song. Um, yeah, for me, you know, on the surface, it's a, it's very much a breakup song, um, in the tra- especially in the tradition of pop music. Um, I think Kevin is fully embracing that pop music aesthetic with this track. I think it's the, it's the most, it's the most pop up to this point. On the album, at least, in my opinion, especially with that chorus. I think it's a very solid song, and it was released as a single. And I really love the swirly, psychedelic vibe throughout the song. Just fantastic synth work. Um, Again, another very groovy, McCartney-esque bass line. And this song really shows that new guitar sound that Kevin was talking about discovering while recording this album. 
just a great, solid Tame Apollo song overall. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love how you mentioned uh, Groovy because this lonerism in its entirety is a it's a groove based album, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of groove. Kevin's a really groovy dude, man. He makes stuff that you can easily nod your head to. He's pretty fly for a white guy. I'll, I'll say that. Alrighty, so moving on to the next track, which is Music to Walk Home by... So, full transparency, this is my favorite Tame Impala song, period. Same. This is, this song is my jam. I love this. I've always loved this song. I've, lo- I've always loved this track from the first time I heard it in the car back in 2012. <laughs> It was always my favorite track off of this album, and eight years and two albums later, it's still my favorite track off of any of his albums. This song is why I love Kevin Parker as a musician and a human. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about this song. I love every second of this song. It never gets old, and it never ceases to amaze me. This is premium Kevin Parker content right here. He is firing on all cylinders. Um, I love the opening fade in this song, this arpeggiated synth that crescendos into the lyric, but that's only when I think of you and the whole, and then every, all the instruments hit at once. And Kevin's drumming in this song alone is worth the price of admission. I, I contend this song is without doubt Kevin Parker's best drumming he's ever recorded. You heard me. This is quintessential Kevin Parker drumming groovy as fuck many times i've listened to this song and just listened to the drums throughout they're so creative and unique and just flat out badass like you hear his drumming in the song you're like that's badass it's so it's so good his drumming and his fills throughout this song blow me away literally every time i hear this song kevin goes he go kevin goes beast mode at the two minute and 55 second mark they're the perfect drums for this song uh, aside from the drums, he's playing a sneakily groovy little bass line, and I love what he's doing on guitar here. The chord changes and the structure is very pop, and it's just so damn catchy. Uh, I especially love the outro guitar lick. It comes out of nowhere, and it's it's it, it, you've never heard it in any other part of the song. It's just it's just the open. It's just the outro guitar lick, and I love that. It's just so creative and it's catchy. And I love the synth throughout the song. It gives it this extra psychedelic vibe. And briefly about the lyrics, to me, it seems to be like a a continuation of mind mischief, just like being unsure of a lover, uh, wanting it to end, essentially saying it's complicated. Um, Yeah, I I dig it. It's not your conventional pop song or your conventional pop rock song. And that's why I love it so much. My favorite lyric in this song is the closing line of this song. It's, I've made it this far, as far as I know. That lyric always gravitated t- towards me, and I think it's a perfect closing lyric to a song. And in my humble opinion, it is a perfect Tame Impala song in general. Listeners, if you listen to one track off of this album, listen to this song. You will not be disappointed. 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> uh, I, I said a lot there, Mariah. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you think of this song? Uh, my passion matches yours. Absolutely. For this song. This is my favorite song on the album. And every time I hear it, it just fills me with instant joy. Like, oh my gosh, this song is 
so beautiful, so gorgeous. It's so bright and it's colorful. And oh, the synths in the middle. Gosh, that synth solo. I have never heard anything like this in my entire life. I have never heard any song that comes close to the quality of music to walk home by. It's just incredible. It seemingly it carries you into a euphoric state, mm-hmm. I feel. This, yeah. this song uh, exudes euphoric feelings for me. Absolutely. Like it puts you in that euphoric state of mind. And I think it's because it's so catchy and it's so poppy. But again, that's the beauty of pop. The, you know, it's the, there's some people who just really don't like pop. And, and those people who don't like pop, I just don't understand don't understand you don't understand that stance but that's okay you know i mean people are dead inside so yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it is what it is heart but it's just it's something like a song like this how do you listen to it and just not feel better i mean <laughs> yeah and oh and that's also another thing that i like that kevin does is that he can be talking about uh some pretty negative content uh, possibly, you know, breakups, uh, a love yeah, gone right. wrong, problems uh-huh. with a lover. But he doesn't always have to match that. Like, he makes beautiful, uplifting songs about a beautiful girl wasting his life. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, not everything, ha- like, just because you're feeling sad about something doesn't mean you have to go straight to an acoustic guitar and mope about it. Exactly. Yeah, I love that juxtaposition of the the mood of the lyrics and compared to the mood of the music. Yeah, it shows how, it shows how Kevin just likes the unexpected. He <laughs> presents the unexpected. Again, my favorite Tame Impala song Period. This is my favorite Tame Impala song. I could listen to this any day, all day, every day, and I wouldn't. I'd never get tired of it. I, I've once played this song for like an hour straight one time. I was just again listening to the drums and just listening to everything and just being just enraptured and just completely taken away. Um, I love this song. It, it's it, it it's an all timer for me. Yeah, it just. Every time I, I listen to this song, I just want I just want to melt and become one with this song. Yeah. That's I, my ultimate goal. <laughs> <laughs> Again, guys, Kevin's drumming in this song is incredible. If you're a drummer, uh, listen to it and you'll definitely appreciate it at the very least. Okay, so moving on to the next track we have is Why Won't They Talk to Me? Uh, Mariah, you want to take this away? I do. So with the title, Why Won't They Talk to Me? That's a very striking question, and it, and it really pulls you in. And I think this song is definitely uh, Kevin lamenting the, the strange dichotomy that's experienced by introverts, which is the, the feeling of uh, loneliness, but also that you want to make a, a connection with other people. And... I like that in the lyrics, he says, I thought I was happy. And I believe this to be a reference to Solitude is Bliss, where an inner speaker, he was glorifying the fact that he was an introvert and he was in a state of bliss because of that in his solitude. And now it comes to a point where he's actively seeking out a connection and he wants a connection 
with another person or other people and he's now admitting um, that he does crave human connection and interaction uh, just like everybody else and what I find uh, interesting is that even though socializing is exhausting and we require alone time to regain our energy, um, we introverts still have that innate desire for community. And it also, this song just makes me feel so bad for Kevin that he's just feeling excluded and having such a tough time making friends because it's, it's, it's so hard to hear that. But then getting to the song musically, I love how he's able to create uh, this I would say intense situation because it is very intense for for introverts like that that want and that desire because it's something about it's very difficult and I don't know why I, I don't know why it's so difficult to to make friends and make that initial uh connection with someone where you can just start establishing a friendship like it's very difficult to do that if you think about it and then especially as an adult and knowing the context of this uh, album where he's like writing it on tour and he's uh, meeting a bunch of people and being around a lot of people and just right. still feeling so socially isolated, even though he is the frontman of a very popular band. Yeah. It's so striking. Yeah. That that this person can ex- feel this and experience it. But then it also makes this song so relatable like oh my gosh if this man in his position is experiencing this then you know what it's okay that me like not on an international level is also feeling this he's firmly uh recognizing he's coming to the full realization that he is a loner yeah hence lonerism yeah Yeah. loner is him oh oh my god I, I don't know. I think I just made a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that you got so much out of this song. Um, I feel kind of bad going after you, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I've always felt that this is a very decent song. Uh, cer- I certainly wouldn't call it one of the strongest tracks on the album, nor nor the weakest. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle for me, and I think the song is fine. It's a bit disposable to me. Um, I think it goes on for about two minutes too long. I think if the song was chopped in half, it would work much better for me personally. Uh, the song is four minutes and 46 seconds long. And from the one minute and 30 second mark to the end of the song, it just repeats the chorus. Why won't they talk to me? There is a brief break in the music for about a minute. And then it breaks back into the chorus until the end of the song. If I'm being completely honest with you, I usually skip the track at about the two minute mark. I feel like the song says and does everything it had to by that point. Uh, to me, the last two minutes are superfluous. Uh, it doesn't really go anywhere. Interesting. It just repeats the chorus, which is fine, but I don't really think the chorus is super catchy either. I've always been lukewarm on this song. Like, it's not a bad song. Like I said, I do listen to half of it uh, when I am listening to the album, and I just skipped the last two minutes, but um, yeah, that's just me. Understandable, but coming from just his knowing so much about uh, Kevin's uh, mindset, Uh, surrounding this album he purposefully chooses to uh, repeat that chorus because it brings uh, the listener uh, into his own mind which is this off-repeated question why won't they talk to me that is Kevin really trying to figure out 
why won't they talk to me? Like, because, you know, if you're he's asking this question that he really doesn't know an answer for. Yeah, he he doesn't. He's not going to get an answer. He doesn't have an answer. And he's really trying to solve it. But how he's trying to solve it is constantly repeating this question. And he thinks if he repeats it a little bit more, he's going to figure it out. Why won't they talk to me? Right. Yeah. And I get all that. Like what you're saying, that's a very uh, interesting uh, perspective to have on the song. Um, I get all that. Uh, it just the song just doesn't work for me, like for the last half of it. But I do not disagree with you that this is not his strongest song. But it's not a weak song. It's not a weak song. Yeah, no, it's not no. a strong song. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just him expressing himself and his, his feelings of uh, alienation. Alrighty, so moving on, we have the next track, Feels Like We Only Go Backwards. And, you know, to me, this song is very short and to the point. I think it's a pretty perfect pop song. Uh, we have another groovy and melodic bass line. Um, definitely one of Kevin's fi- finer bass lines. Um, again, very evocative of Paul McCartney. Uh, I've always thought that this bass line is a bass line like Paul McCartney would have made in some alternative reality. <laughs> like they just have Kevin has a lot of the same sensibilities as Paul McCartney, which is probably why I love Kevin's bass playing so much. But yeah, he has some really. We have very similar influences on the bass for sure. And yeah, and as a diehard Beatles fan myself, I really appreciate Kevin doing that. Um, but yeah, especially in this song, yeah, I've always got a, a Beatles vibe with the uh, with the bass. And you know, lyrically, uh, I we have another love song. Uh, Kevin is opening up about a you know seemingly another tumultuous relationship with someone. Um, you know, such a catchy chorus as all great pop songs have. And, you know, it's just, for me, it's just a flat out banger. This song and another song uh, we're going to get to soon, Elephant, are just crowd favorites. Anytime and every time the band plays this, everyone, everyone knows the words, everyone's singing along. Yeah, the crowd still to this day goes crazy Bananas, over this song. yeah, they go bonkers. You know, and rightfully so. Like I said, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. a it's a great it's a great song. It's a great pop song. It was a single, very successful. Um, I mean, yeah, for me, not too much to say about it. I mean, it's a great song, uh, short but sweet. Um, what do you think about it, Mariah? You know, I do have to say, he really does sound like John Lennon on on this song like (laughs) i try to ignore it i'm just like whatever kevin is kevin like there's gonna be constant comparisons to him and john but in this song i'm just like okay now it's time to address the elephant oh (laughs) no you didn't dang everyone dude everyone's like hitting their steering wheel like listening to this like she did it Wow, that was great. But he really does sound like John Lennon. And guess what? It's okay. I love it. It sounds great. It sounds beautiful. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to mention, I was going to comment on that, but I was like, I'll just let it slide because we kind of touched on that with uh, Inner Speaker. But yes, this song in particular. So when I was listening back to the song earlier, I was listening to it. I was like, okay, his fault, him and John Lennon's falsettos are like the same range. And Kevin's doing a lot of that falsetto singing in this song. And it's like John Lennon singing in the song Number Nine Dream. If you guys check that song out, um, his most ethereal uh, sounding song. I remember the first time I heard the song, I was reminded of that John Lennon song specifically. Just kind of the vibe of that song. And the, definitely the vocal, the, the the falsetto that they do. 
when Kevin's singing in that range, yeah, I, I, to me it's undeniable. And again, undeniable, yes, yeah. And you know, also to pile on that, he's playing with these vintage equipment that the Beatles played with. He's playing on Ludwig drums, Ringo played with violin, the the Hofner bass, the Rickenbacker guitars, Vox amps. Like he he's got the Beatles sound. So the similarities are there for and like rightfully so. So you got like his vocals and like down to the uh, the vintage equipment he's recording with. So I think it is warranted to a certain degree, um, especially with this song. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, Kevin is frequently described as a revivalist. Yeah. And he yeah. really, but the thing about him being a revivalist is that he truly breathes new life into this psychedelic genre. Yes, well put. Yeah, he he really, really does. And that's what, that's what I love about Kevin because... Sure, you can uh, recreate the sounds from a specific era, but what else are you bringing to the song? And and I touched on that in the when I was speaking about Inner Speaker mm-hmm. about, and then that was my my major critique of Inner Speaker. Um, it did sound too rooted in the past, but fortunately, yes. um, Kevin was able to bring his own special sound to what he was trying to do. He, he expressed himself uniquely enough, and he continues to set himself apart. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's firmly rooted in the, the psychedelic genre, but his, he just continues to uh, experiment, and that experimentation serves him well. He ventures out from his bubble, and we are all rewarded for it. He takes risk. Yes. He takes risk and steps out of his comfort zone and... He has thoughts and ambitions of where, where he wants to go, he, where he would like to go, areas he would like to explore. And he explores it and he does find some great stuff there. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, the beauty of this album too, is that you feel that sense of confidence. There, there's a level of yeah. confidence here and that ex- he gained. Yeah, and exploration. Definitely. It, it's such a, Just the overall sonic quality of this album is so much more vast than inner speaker and it's so great one last thing i I do want to talk about this song Uh, recently i was reading an interview kevin did this year and he was talking about this song and he actually said that he got in he was listening to the beach house song walk in the park where he got the idea to make this song and he said that it's the same exact chords that are used in that beach house song and after i read the interview i listened to the beach house song and i hear it it's the same exact thing and i that just i i just i love that i just love that kevin is like listening to another fellow band uh, in indie band yes another indie band and especially at this time this album definitely made them a bigger band but they still weren't as big as they would get with currents and certainly the slow rush so i I just thought it was cool he's listening to his contemporary contemporaries and is influenced so much so that he makes this again this perfect pop song if I was in Beach House, I'd take that to my grave. Oh, that oh, Kevin yeah. Parker was influenced by one of my songs. <laughs> wear a bat, wear that like a badge of honor. Like put it, on, I would put it on my tombstone. Yeah, um, feels like we only go backward because of me. <laughs> um, but and then a little side note, that's a great Beach House song too, guys. Uh, by the way, if you get a chance, a uh, Beach House is a great band. Um, but yeah, that that that's a fantastic song. Alrighty, let's keep this train rolling.
So the next track we have is Keep On Lying. Um, Mariah, would you like to start this one off? I would. Keep On Lying. So this is nestled in between two of his biggest hits. Yeah, two singles. Two singles. Um, and it's it's such a beautiful song because... Again, Kevin is able to successfully create uh, an environment where we are able to actually feel through his music what he's feeling. Not only like is he able to write well with the lyrics, the, the social isolation he's experiencing, but he's also able uh, to make us feel it. So in this song, I feel like the the heavy reverb um, displaces the sense of time. The use of the guitar riffs, the they're so hypnotic. Mm. Are they not? They like are. this this song hypnotizes you in a way, and and then um, there's some sampling going on here. He samples uh, sounds of like a dinner party or just a party happening in the background, and if you notice. The conversations are imperceptible, and I believe that's intentionally done to create a sense of being socially isolated. Hmm. Like you're trying, and it's funny because I, when I went back and I was listening to this song, you're trying to listen to what they're saying. You're trying to connect with the the people who are in the background. You're trying to make sense of what they're saying, and you you. There's this sense of uh, longing created to want to join in, and but you can't. And it creates that total disconnect. Right. Yeah. And I think that is so brilliant and so beautiful of Kevin Parker to do. He's just like effectively using sound to create uh, a total sense of isolation. Mm. Like he really uh, hammers home what he's feeling like out on tour. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing. That's such a rare and glorious thing to be able to sex successfully recreate uh, what you are experiencing emotionally. Right. And I just, I just freaking love it. And then, so as the song goes on, um, the music continues to build, um, eventually drowning out the voices. And then you're just left um, becoming misplaced in this hazy psychedelic soundscape. Hmm. It is very much a banger, uh, very solid jam. It, uh, it's very laid back. Uh, when we first saw Tam and Paula in Oakland in 2013, they played this song and they never played it again. Very interesting because it's uh, the baseline is very groovy and I, I feel like it was it, it played very well when we saw it. Do you remember um, seeing this song live? That is unfortunate. I do not remember that. No, no, it's totally fine because it was so many years ago. But yeah, uh, you know. Seven years ago. Yeah. And back then I was not recording everything. Yeah. No, no, I no. was just really <laughs> trying to experience the the show in the moment. Well, you were telling me earlier that Tam and Paula on their website, he has um, like a catalog of all the shows he's ever played. Yes. Yeah. He, he lists every single. And I thought that was rad because then I just. I like to go in there and remind myself, yes, we were at that show, that show, yeah. that show. That's how we keep track. I Yeah, see, I, I didn't know about that because there's this website called Setlist. 
Oh. And you just like um, you put any any artist's name in like set list and then artist name and it, it's the same thing like right you use that a lot yeah yeah you I, use that to find out the set list before we saw them earlier this year <laughs> yeah I was like, I'm like what they, what? yeah because they played one show before I was like what did they play <laughs> um, whereas me I want to be surprised all the time <laughs> yeah. So yes, the song is very catchy, as I mentioned, and I love about halfway through the song, we get this super catchy guitar lick. It's like, dun, nah, 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 oh, dun. yes, it's so good and catchy. Again, so man, catchy. Kevin's just he's he he's so he's like the master at just making like these like one riff catchy little hooks like on guitar. The end of music to walk home by this part right here, and on other albums too. He's just a uh, those pop sensibilities really shine through. I remember him saying that he had a lot more pop songs ready to go on this album because he knew that he was in the indie sphere and he knew how many people would hate it. I, yeah, I saw that and too. And he just wanted to put more pop songs on the album for the hell of it. He's like, just, what you going to do? <laughs> just being a little contrarian. Yeah. Hey, you know what though? For the better. <laughs> yeah. I do think the song could have been trimmed down a bit. I feel like after that catchy guitar part I was just talking about, uh, the song kind of meanders for a bit. Uh, we get those random voices that you were talking about and just like noises in the background. And yeah, I could go without it. Um, but besides that, it's a very solid song. I would describe it as a cacophony of sounds. was <laughs> very deliberate and very intentional. And it was used to create a very specific um, emotional state. Right, right. Keep on lying is in itself uh, a piece of art, and it's a, a very, it's very much so uh, an important piece of art. And Kevin is really trying to establish just how isolated he feels, and he can't help but continually like hammer this point home over and over again. I mean, when he has a theme for an album, he really keeps to a theme. Yeah. Right? Despite, Have you noticed that? Yeah, despite what he may say sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've gone over. He tends to contradict himself. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get into that again. But, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. He, he, was he really so does. He effective with this song and, and what he was trying. And I saw right through what he was trying to do. And he did it so well. And other may, other people may take it, you know, um, completely differently. Like, ah, I went on a little bit too long or but right. just and, like I think fellow introverts just really deeply, truly understand this song and like what he was trying to uh, showcase here. I think for me, and it's not just with Tim and Paula, it's just like with a lot of bands in general when it's just the same music being repeated and there's nothing super new or interesting going on. Like if you're going to repeat the same chords over and over um, let's have some variety with those leads or something, you know, like for me personally and like what I like musically. Um, again, Kevin does that sometimes. I feel like he does it on this song and like, you know, the other song I talked about. Um, it's not a deal breaker. It's not. A, it, it, it's it, it's for me. It's few and far between. But again, like I said, I, I just when I was listening to this album earlier, that's what I noticed. I'm like, oh, that's like the, the one issue i guess if you want to call it that that little bone to pick i have with the uh, you know kevin parker other than that he's great he's amazing i love everything else <laughs> i love everything he does yeah well that repetition it it was so intentional it was supposed to hypnotize you it's supposed to get you into this hypnotic state in order to 
disassociate yourself uh, from the song. Right. And, and then um, it creates an atmosphere. Uh, and then it goes into that the the sampling of, of voices and mm-hmm. laughing in the background. It's just it's all done um, very intentionally, you know, with a yeah. purpose. Um, I do get that. And I do think that it it probably works for most people. I think I do think I'm in the minority with that, you know, little thing. But again, great song. The music's great. Like I love great baseline. It, it, it is a good it is a great song. I wish I could express my emotional state musically like this. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I could make a song half as good as this one. Like, like <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I know I sound like I'm being super critical, but I, I, I it's it, it's a great song. So the next track we have is Elephant. And what can I say about this song? It's the song that most people got introduced to Tame Impala with. It was his first major hit. We would hear it in many commercials over the years. Um, and, you know, Mar- and Mariah, we would always love it when we'd be watching a commercial and we would hear it. I think we heard it like in a like a, a vodka commercial and like a car commercial one time. Oh, yeah. It was definitely in a car commercial. We were so happy. Like, oh, my God. This oh, my gosh. Kevin's <laughs> getting paid for his hard work. Good for him. He deserves it. Yeah. And we are so not those kinds of fans that are like, oh, man, like we heard it in a commercial. He sold out. Like we were happy, like millions and millions of more people. We're being exposed. Yes. We don't believe in the concept of selling out. We believe in an artist being paid uh, appropriately for their incredible, unique work. Yeah. And talents. And Kevin. Yeah. We were just so stoked. And, and, you know, rightfully so. It's a very, very, very catchy, solid psych rock song. Um you know, to me, there's just not much really to talk about it. It's just a banger of a song, um, an extremely catchy guitar riff. That guitar riff is easily what makes the song. Um, and, you know, all the time, every time we've ever seen Tame Paul, the crowd goes bonkers for this song. Everyone starts singing along to it. Um, it's, I mean, it's great. I definitely don't hate the song. It's, no. uh, no. Yeah. We, just, we just know it's a single and, and we just know that he has so many other great tracks, but it's just, yeah. it still tickles me to see just the crowd erupt just every time to yeah. this day for Elephant. <laughs> I'm just like, you guys were dead silent. Like for the past three songs, <laughs> but yes. okay. But you know what? You're here. You're supporting exactly, Kevin. Exactly. Yeah. So we're the same family. Yeah. And right? hopefully, th- hopefully those other songs they weren't singing around, they weren't singing to. They come around to you like, hey, wait, like what was that song? Maybe I should listen to it. other songs besides the single. <laughs> okay, now I'm just talking crap. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love all Tame Apollo fans. <laughs> um, you know, again, not much to say about this. Um, the one thing I do want to talk. Uh, I, the one thing I do want to say is um. Uh, the standout, the one standout lyric in this song for me has always been, he pulled the mirrors off his Cadillac because he doesn't like it looking like he looks back. Just fire. I love that lyric. It's so good. About the lyrics, what's fun about this song on Elephant is that he's uh, writing a song about a person who is exhibiting antisocial behavior. So this person is on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's speaking about a person with an ego so large, he attempts to make himself the center of attention constantly, and in doing so, he drives people away. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And that is exhibiting very antisocial behavior, which is isolating in itself. Very much so. 
And I thought, I'm like, oh, he's exploring all aspects of social isolation. Yeah, yeah. I remember Kevin in interviews talking about this song, saying that he, it, it, it was very close to not making the album. He, yeah, I heard that. I heard yeah, him say that too. Like he, he had this song like 10 years prior. He'd play it well before Tame Impala was a band. He just had this riff and he'd jam it out with like Jay and the guys. And um, yeah, when it came down to putting songs on this album, he was kind of like hesitantly just like, okay, I'll put it on. And again, his biggest hit, unfortunately, because he has so many other better singles, but you know, we'll get into that. Yeah, I find it shocking that despite this song being written well in advance of this album, uh, it fits so nicely. You know, it still has that heaviness. Yeah. Of early Tame Impala. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it there's the synthesizer right there. Yeah. He was using it back in the day. Oh, and then, you know, also forgot to mention, this is the second song where Jay, Jay plays keyboards on this whole track. Oh, so, right. the, yeah, so that's yes. that, that thick uh, keyboard and, 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 and that solo, um, all Jay. Again, Jay did a phenomenal job on keys. The, the two tracks he does um, just hit, hits it out of the park. Just so perfect. To be honest, Elephant sounds like he collaborated with someone else. It doesn't sound entirely like Kevin. Alrighty, so the next track we have is She Just Won't Believe Me. Um, You know, this song is a very throwaway track. It is 57 seconds long. But goddammit, I love it. (laughs) Like, it's okay that it's throwaway. Once the vocals hit in this song, Kevin's vocals are multi-layered. And it sounds pretty haunting. We have this thick organ and synthesizer in the background and it it's such a unique tame impala song um, yeah, it's very dramatic very yeah thank you very dramatic i've always liked it i you know i kind of i like its length i can't imagine it being longer very interesting though that he decided to put this um one it's not even one minute less than a minute track on the album but yeah again you know it's short sweet i like it what do you think of the track ryan so what stood out to me on this song are the guitars the guitars really, especially toward the end, mm-hmm. when he's, it sounds like he's just playing the strings all the way down. It's like strumming. Strumming. Yeah, and it has this weird effect on it. It's kind of like he's going like strumming. With yeah. His whole arm down. Yeah. Um, like but in circular motions. What I found fascinating was that um, on Melody's uh, echo chamber. Uh, there's a band called Melody's Echo Chamber. That was who you referenced earlier when we're talking about Andor Trois. Yes, his, his French girlfriend. It was Melody Prochet, who was the lead singer of Melody's Echo Chamber. Yes. And Kevin, he produced that her first album, and he played guitar and drums on that whole album. Yes. So if you listen closely to I Follow You... The guitars on She Won't Believe Me sound exactly the same. And that's so interesting because you told me that. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Ever since that album came out, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Hold that's up. That's <laughs> She Just Won't Believe Me. That's pure Kevin right there. Wow. That's Kevin guitaring. And it sound, look, play them side by side. Yeah. You'll hear it. You'll be like, well, that's the same person. No, yeah, you're totally right. That's a very, very great observation. Um, you know, on, on that track, Kevin actually does the guitar solo in that song. So it m- makes sense that you're hearing this very similar guitar effect or, you know, the, the guitar sounds so similar. Yes. 
Um, and you know, both albums came out the same year. So we got some conflicting information. We had the uh, melodies echo chain. We got 2012 and 13, but I believe it was initially 2012. Either way, I think both albums, Lonerism and Melody's debut album were recorded roughly around the same time. So I can see Kevin still using those effects, these yeah. these guitar this guitar sound. Yes, it's almost like he was sharing the wealth. Yeah, like, exactly. look what I discovered. Let's put it on something oh, else. Oh, and I'm sure she picked up on that and was like, took little notes, like, okay, okay, you know, I'll mix these pedals and you know, I like the way that sounds. I mean, it's a phenomenal song and a beautiful album. Oh my gosh, just that's just pure psychedelic dream pop. Yeah, guys, if you really love Tim and Paul, if you really love what you're hearing, uh, and if you haven't already, check out Melody's Echo Chamber. Again, that was his girlfriend at the time. He recorded and produced her debut album. And it's basically a Tim and Paula album with a female singer. Yes, and, and she sings in French and in English. And she has a very angelic, just psychedelic, ethereal voice. It's 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 some really, really great psychedelic rock music. All right, moving on to the next track. The next track we have is Nothing That Has Happened So Far Has Been Anything We Can Control. And damn, what a mouthful. <laughs> I don't think I've ever called the song it in its entirety. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nothing that has happened. Usually just stop right there. I'm going to be honest. It took me a long time to remember this song title. And I remember one time because we were talking about it years ago. You're like, it's just the first, the first lyric of the song. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it's like months after it came out. Shock Pikachu it's, face. We were trying to, <laughs> like, it's just the first lyric. I'm like, oh my, okay. And then after that, I'm just like, yeah, nothing, nothing that has happened so far has been anything we could control. Easy. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Try saying that three times fast. Um, <laughs> um, so this song, okay, so musically on drums, Kevin goes full God mode. And all you gamers out there will get that reference. Um, he is just shredding on the drums in this song. Um, at about the three and a half minute mark to the end of the song. You know, so I while I still maintain music to walk home by is Kevin's greatest recorded drumming, I contend that this song is Kevin's best shredding he's ever recorded. He lets loose. He is just, he's just such an incredible drummer. He really flexes his skills in this song. And especially the outro, like I said, the last like three minutes of the song, it's just so good, you know? And, you know, okay, so the the shredding aside on the drums, uh, throughout the verses, this drum beat that he has is so catchy. It's so poppy. It's just, it's very groovy and it has a lot of fills throughout the whole time. And this is definitely my second favorite drumming Kevin has ever recorded next to Music to Walk Home By. I've always been very blown away and impressed with this drumming. It's uh, so creative, and I've never heard a drum beat like it before. Just um, just poppy. So good. So good. Again, guys, this, man, Kevin's drumming on this album is some of his best drumming that you'll ever hear on a Tim Apollo record. Not to skip too far to the end, but yeah, I think this would have been the perfect song to close the album with, and we'll definitely get into that when we talk about the next track. But um, yeah, before I do, uh, Mariah, what are your thoughts on the song? Yes, uh, it's, it's good that you pointed out the intensity of his drumming because uh, he plays with uh, such great intensity that... Um, for the first time in this album, you hear crashing cymbals, 
Like, it's so apparent. So prominently, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, wow, you can really hear those cymbals crash. It's so upfront, and and the drumming really takes the center stage in this song, just like you said. And um, I love the the phasing effects Ooh, in this song. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, in addition to synthesizers, love phasers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very swirly. Swirly, and um, I would say that this is the dreamiest track on the album. Ooh. Okay, so after that, we are now at the end of the album. We have the closer track, "Suns Coming Up." Um, Ryan, would you like to go first? Yeah. I'll go first. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you the honors. You know, I have to say, if I ever meet Kevin personally, um, I would like to ask him about this song. (laughs) I would like to ask him respectfully, why did you include this in Lonerism? I mean, this one song is preventing it, in my opinion. This song is preventing it from being a true masterpiece which is just it's so unfortunate because I cannot stand the song. I can't stand it. I skip it every time. I skip straight to Beverly Laurel, which wasn't included in this out like for some unknown reason. But I will also ask Kevin that as well. Hey, why would you choose uh, Suns Coming Up over Beverly Laurel? Yeah. Can you please explain oh that gosh. one to me? Just, just for me and my mind and just why you would break up such a great flow. You had this whole beautiful psychedelic soundscape, swirling guitars, panning effects, and then you end the brilliant lonerism with this song. Just slow, just this unsettling piano ballad and these Eastern-influenced droning guitars like what's going on here ah and then there's just some random um, ocean sounds at the end which he recorded himself and i'm just like nice use of sampling again and you know ambient use of ambient sounds i know he really likes those um but oh my gosh it hurts my heart that (laughs) this is how lonerism ends it will forever hurt and um you know there were uh a couple of years there where I became okay with this song, just just okay with it. Like I came to peace, came to terms <laughs> that this song was on this album. And then that quickly went away. I'm just like, no, no, I'm not accepting this. And I'm just <laughs> like, I stand firmly by the fact that Beverly Laurel should have been switched out with Sons Coming Up. And it just, this song should not have been on this album. And I'm not sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh very well put Mariah. um yeah you know this track f- has always puzzled me <laughs> um it's an anomaly in the pantheon of tame impala songs it's unlike anything kevin has ever done before or since and i think for the better <laughs> maybe he learned his lesson <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm truly sorry to, like, have to get critical of Kevin, but I have to for this track. I mean, talk about throwaway. This song is more than that. This song is vapor. You listen to it, it enters your mind, you process it, then it disappears. Honestly, I forget that this track is actually the closer of this album. When I, like, in my mind nothing that has happened is the true closer of the song. Cause yeah, like you, when that track is 
over. I'm over the album. Like <laughs> the, the, the album is done. I at, know at it's coming point. next, and then I get disappointed. Yeah, and like I, I just have to echo so many things you were saying. It's like, like what was he thinking? Like. it's it's it really is baffling yeah this track really sticks out like a sore thumb it's it's just not an interesting song from the piano to kevin's oddly monotone vocals for the majority of the song um you know i I will say the last few minutes with that it's just the spacey guitar and the ocean noises you were talking about is somewhat interesting but ultimately forgettable and yeah, it's just such an odd and unfortunate way to end such an amazing album. Yeah, also, um, his vocals sound the most nasally. He is mm. so nasally in this last song. It's borderline obnoxious. And it makes me wonder, what was the feedback he was given for this song? <clears throat> Jay, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> you know, over the years, like, so especially like that first time when we bought the album and we listened to it, um, I remember I was always more like accepting of the song than you. I was yes, like, yes, you were. And me, I was always like, well, I like that guitar part. Like it's again, I was like, I, it's interesting. But, but you have to wait so long to get to and it. And then like, yeah. And then, you know, the last several times I listened to the song most recently today uh, for this podcast, I'm like, yeah, like it, it's forgettable. Like it, it sounds neat. I guess, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, like this song, it doesn't approach the level of any other song on this album. No, it, it does is not. far, far inferior than anything on this album. And yeah, again, like I said, this song has always puzzled me. What possessed Kevin to say like, yeah, this is, this is going to close the album. Um, I don't know, you know, and I love that we are such diehard Tame Impala fans, but we're not so like blinded by our love. Like we you know, like everything he does is great. Like we know when there's a stinker or something that's not up to his quality level or what he's capable of doing. You know, and yeah, yes, I yeah. Th- for me, this is like undeniable. I don't know anyone really that likes this song. Or no. is, is like, yeah, like, or has it on a playlist? Or <laughs> like, yeah, like no one's putting this on a freaking bangers playlist or something. It um, falls so, uh, it falls so shockingly short. Yeah. I, I, oh man. And especially after nothing that has happened, like, especially after that track, that is such a perfect, it, it would have been such a perfect closer to the album because that song even has a fade out too. And I, you know, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but yeah, it just, I, what was he thinking? It, I, I've, it was hard for me to get on board with it from the get go, but then over the years, I, it just really stands out. Like I said, like a sore thumb and it's a definitely the weakest point of the album. And that's unfortunate because that's, that's the last track you're leaving with. And, you know, yeah. and I think when you open up with such a strong track, like be above it and then all the subsequent songs that fall, like it's a great album. And yeah, it's just a, very unfortunate he decided to end on such a low note. And I'm really, really glad that you mentioned Beverly Laurel. Um, okay, so th- that's the album. That is the album in its official release. Um, after the album got released, uh, there was two bonus tracks that was available through iTunes. It was Beverly Laurel. And you were saying you were thinking that song should have been on the album. I love Beverly Laurel. That is a great song. However, I think you're forgetting about the second 
iTunes track that was released for the album, which is Led Zeppelin. I think oh, that would have been even better. Yes. I I mean, do put both of them on the album, like, and, and take out Sun's uh, Sun's coming up. Either one it of them. Would, Led Zeppelin matches the heaviness of Elephant. Exactly. Thank you. So, okay, okay, guys, if you you need to go YouTube the song, it's called Led Zeppelin. Please. Right and now. by by Tame Impala, Kevin Parker did it. Uh, yeah, it it didn't. You know, like I said, it was for iTunes, so it obviously didn't make the final cut on the album. And that's another decision. Like, it's always baffled me. I'm like, that is such a good song. Like, how do you not put that? That would have been such a, it would have been such a great addition to Lonerism as well as Beverly Laurel. And yeah, you, he had two great songs recorded, mixed and mastered. And he decides to go with Sons Come. Like, oh man, if he would have had Sons Coming Up be a iTunes like ad song I wouldn't have been so harsh on that song or so critical of it but because he chose to put that on the album because Beverly Laurel and Led Zeppelin are so good they are vastly better than Sun's Coming Up in every way from the music to the lyrics in every way imaginable and yeah it just makes it that much more frustrating we still love perplexing. you. Perplexing. Yeah. Kevin, if you're listening to this, we we love you. We still love you. It's okay. <laughs> Get on this podcast too one day, please. And, and Redeem def- yourself. <laughs> defend yourself against our <laughs> against our, our thoughts. So I mentioned Led Zeppelin. Uh, man, what do you think about that song, Mariah? It's so beautiful. I mean, every time I listen to that song, it also creates a very euphoric state. Just instantaneously, just it really creates a feeling of, oh my God, what is this? Like it sounds, it sounds rooted in like old uh, psychedelic influences, but then it sounds so unique and so insanely catchy. And it's just a brilliant piece of of work by Kevin. It's absolutely brilliant. And I was thinking, I'm just like, okay, imagine, imagine. She Won't Believe Me is replaced by Led Zeppelin. And Sun's Coming Up is replaced by Beverly Laurel. I assert that Kevin Parker would be firmly placed amongst the ranks of Paul McCartney and John Lennon Mm. with that uh, beautiful, perfect, perfect album. That would be the most perfect album I could ever imagine. You're right. Aside from Currents. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. That would have been pure perfection. He would have had two masterpieces in a row? Yeah, yeah. He would have had two masterpieces in a row. Okay, let's get into a little bit of trivia once this album was released. So this album was released October 5th, 2012, and it was a very successful album uh, critically and among fans. Um, this album was Grammy nominated for best alternative album and it lost to vampire weekends album, modern vampires of the city. Okay. Wow. I, know, I was like, eh. you know, vampire weekend is a great band. Yes. I'm a fan of vampire weekend, but they're earlier stuff. You know, it, yeah, it really makes me want to listen to this, um, modern, va- modern vampires of the city album and see, right? see how much better it was in lonerism. But, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, it also won the J Award for Australian Album of the Year, 
and it also won Album of the Year from the ARIA Awards. And the ARIA Awards is basically the Australian version of the Billboard Awards here in America. The album would peak at number 34 on the US charts and number one on the Australian charts. So good for Kevin hitting number one in his home country. The album received widespread critical acclaim from music critics and fans alike. This album really launched Tame Impala into the stratosphere. Okay, so let's get into our overall thoughts for this album, as well as letter grade and recommendation. And I will go ahead and start this one off. So this album really opened up my musical sensibilities. It made me excited about making music and the possibilities it could lead to. I view this album as a comfort food. It speaks to my soul and it always puts me in a euphoric mood. I think many of these tracks will stand the test of time and be as influential in the future as they are today. This this is the album where people started referring to Kevin Parker as a god and I think this album really put Kevin on a lot of people's radar with the success of something like Elephant and even the other singles with Feels Like We Only Go Backwards and Mind Mischief. It is a near masterpiece, as we've discussed. Yeah, this is just an album that really shaped me as a musician over the past several years. I feel like me and Kevin have a lot of the same musical sensibilities. Like I like a lot of his choices. I like a lot of the things he does. I really love his lyrics. I like how he opened up a lot more on this album in contrast to Inner Speaker. Nearly everything about this album I love. It's just such a listenable album. I really love the pop aesthetic throughout this whole album. I love pop music very, very much so, unabashedly so. And I love rock music. So when you get a band like this making some original music that is just so creative and again, very influential, it's, it's just, it's just a recipe for a really good time. And this is an album that has just been on my rotation ever since 2012, since it came out. Uh, man, I have such fond memories of this album. Again, with Mariah, she introduced me to Tam Paula. And it's it's a band that I just love so much. And I just love Kevin Parker. And I love and I love that I am alive during Kevin Parker in his prime and get to see him live and get to see him do his thing. And I'm always excited for his newest collaborations. Anything he does, it's always it's always something I look forward to very, very much. And again, this album is is it's played a pretty big role in my life over the past several years in many different ways and it's the album that just keeps on giving and while I did enjoy Inner Speaker uh, this album is just even better and he continues with this upward trajectory with Currents and the Slow Rush and you know we're definitely going to talk about those albums in different in future podcasts but Man, yeah, this is such a great album. I highly recommend this album to people. You know, with, with the with the exception of Suns Coming Up and a couple songs that I think could have been cut down a little bit, it's still enough for me to recommend this album. And I would give this album an A. In my book, this album is a solid A. Could have been an A. Could have been a masterpiece 
had they maybe thrown on Led Zeppelin or Beverly Laurel. But you know what? We can still listen to those songs anytime we like. And as it is, it is a very, very great album that most bands would kill to have as many great songs on the album that Kevin has. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's an A, highly recommend it. I love the album. And I think that if you're into rock music, you definitely, this is, this is some essential listening, especially because it's modern. So yeah, with all that said, I will hand the reins over to Mariah for her final thoughts. Wow. That was so well said. You covered a lot of the stuff I wanted to say, so I will keep this one short. (laughs) I really love uh, Kevin's theme on social isolation. It's much different than his prior theme of solitude and uh, being an introvert. I love how he offers us more insight into his psyche this time around. He's much more vulnerable, much more personal. And we really get a sense of who he is as a person. I, on this album, I love all of the experimentation and sonic exploration, uh, especially with the synthesizers. I just, I really can't stress enough how much I love all of the synths, each and every one of them used on this album. Just incredible incredible work ultimately what i commend kevin for doing is through psychedelic music he gives us lonerism which is a mind-altering substance all on its own and for that i'm going to give it an a minus with the minus being for suns coming up wow so i think it's safe to say that we both really enjoyed this album Yes, and recommend it to everyone. <laughs> yeah. The- except for Suns coming up. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that I'm a worse enemy. Just kidding. It's not that bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, again, uh, just such a such a great piece of uh, art from Kevin. Really love his progression with this album. And yeah, I think we basically covered all, all our bases on that one. So, Mariah, thank you so, so much for doing this with me. <laughs> I know we were looking forward to this a lot and had a lot of thoughts. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Of course. I love how uh, a lot of our passion came out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're very, very passionate about Kevin Barker and <laughs> lonerism. And oh, my goodness, wait until we get into Currents. Oh. That's going to be, you think we're praising him and we adore him now <laughs> for this album. Woo. But, you know, but at least we have justifications for our praise. Yes. <laughs> it's not yes, like blind. Uh, and I'm really glad we're doing these because we, I, I feel like it causes me to really examine these songs even further than I I've already have in the past. And, I, you know, I, I realize some things along the way. And I really love how I feel like this is our band because, you know, again, you showed me and we both just, just, we were both on that same wave. Like we just vibed with Tame Impala from the get go, like immediately. Yeah. Since the very beginning of our relationship until now. Yeah. Like we are just, 
yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's another reason. I, I love Tame Impala for many reasons. One of a lot of them has to do with just my personal introduction to them, and yeah, my history with them, and like it's good music, good memories, good person showed me the band, and yeah, it's great. I uh, I I love it. I love talking it. I love talking Tame Impala with you. It's a uh, I can't wait to get to the rest of his discography, and I'm sure maybe one day we'll do uh, Melody's Echo Chamber. I mean, why not? That's I would love that. I mean, like I said earlier, that's basically a Tame Apollo album with a female vocalist. <laughs> it is. It really is. Oh, and then it would be an opportunity to speak about a, a female artist as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so yeah, with all that said, um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you, if you aren't too familiar with Tame Impala or this album, I really hope we sparked your interest, and I do hope you check out, please listen to the album. And if, like I said earlier, if you listen to only one song in the album, listen to Music to Walk Home by I think me and Mariah both sign off on that one. <laughs> yes, and then I would like to include uh, Beverly Laurel, even though it's not on that album. It's no. a B-side. Yeah. It's an incredible, incredible song. Yes, if you have Spotify, it's on there. Uh, very, very great song. And if you have iTunes, that's where you can hear Led Zeppelin. Um, highly recommend listening to both of those tracks in conjunction with this album. Yeah, or YouTube. I listen to it on or YouTube. Or YouTube, yes, yes. Thank you very much. Any way you could get your hands on it, go ahead and get your hands on it. You won't be disappointed. Also, if you have any thoughts about Tame Impala you would like to express, we have a, a Facebook group for Intertopia. Yes, thank you so much, Mariah. <laughs> yeah, we got the Facebook group. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of interaction going on there as of yet, but it's okay. You know, like I, I know it'll, it's still a growing thing, but yeah, you guys want to talk about this episode have any Tame Impala questions or comments or anything like post it let's get a conversation going let's talk amongst each other so join me next week where I am going to be talking about oh let's say I'm going to be talking about the movie Interstellar I am very I know how much you love that movie I ooh yeah I love I love space movies I love science fiction it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, genre of movies. And, oh, man, yeah, Interstellar is my jam. I really, really can't wait to talk about that. Should be a lot of fun. I think that's going to be a wrap on this episode. Once again, thank you so much, Mariah, for joining me and giving your very introspective and well-spoken, thought-out uh, comments. I love it. You make me... You make me look, you make me sound so much better. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I cannot wait to be back. Like I say, come back anytime. It was hard to get you this time, but yeah, <laughs> schedule me in next time. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, that is going to be a wrap on this one. Um, like Mariah mentioned, follow, you can follow this podcast on all the social medias at Intertopia on Facebook and Intertopia podcast on Instagram. Yes. Give the podcast a follow. That'd be great. And with all that said, you guys take care, and I will catch you next time. See ya.
Thank you.